Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. I want to get into the word this morning. We're, we're going to be, our, the bulk of our message is going to be in Numbers 13. Um, the nation of Israel has just left Sinai. God, God told them to get up and, and leave to make, uh, to make way towards the promised land. And, uh, you know, we've been in the book of Exodus. Today we're going to be in Numbers I love how, how Exodus ends because it ends with the tabernacle being built and, and it's filled with the glory of God. I love how it ends. And we'll, we'll just read the, the, fa- the last few passages of Exodus. It's 40, 34 through 38. You don't have to turn there. I have it up here. Uh, you can turn to Numbers 13. That's where we're going to be. But it says this. Look, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle throughout all their journey. Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken out, then they did not see, then they did not set out to the day that it was taken up for the, for the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and the fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journey. So I wanted to read that because I love the significance there of of God's glory entering the tabernacle after it was constructed. Uh, If you read the the, the last few passages of of Exodus, God is so meticulous with with the detail of what needs to go into the tabernacle, right? I mean, every there's 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 chapter after chapter. It's just instructions God given uh, to to Moses of how to construct this tabernacle, and I'll admit, I usually skip over those parts of Exodus because onyx stones and scarlet yarn and acacia wood, that doesn't make for a particularly exciting read. Um, but I can definitely appreciate the, the detail that went into this tabernacle, and I would have loved to have seen it. I bet it was beautiful. But, but as beautiful as the tabernacle might have been, it wasn't the aesthetics that brought in God's glory. It was the obedience of the people constructing the tabernacle. So, you know, we could have the most beautiful church with the most beautiful people in it, sing the most beautiful songs, but if it's not accompanied by a mentality and a heart of worship, why would God enter that house if his people refuse to worship? And so when we're asking for a move of God, maybe it's that God is asking for us to move first so that he can usher in his, his presence. Um, and so I, I love how it, I love how it ended I also love the last few verses because it tells us that the people of Israel let the presence of God be their direction, right? Verse 36 says that throughout their journey, whenever the cloud was taken up, the people would get their things, they'd pack their things, and they would go. They would make way towards the promised land. But if it stayed put, so would the people of Israel, right? So God has every intention of getting us to our destination, but sometimes we like to do it without his direction, Sometimes we like to do it on our own. We like to jump the gun, right? We see an opportunity and we want to take it. But later on, we realize that it wasn't really an opportunity. It was a trap because there was no God-given direction behind it. But I love Israel because anytime God's presence was taken up, they're like, oh, God is telling us to move. Let's move. And anytime it stayed put, they would stay put. God has every intention to get you where he's called you to be. But let's let's be obedient. Let's be patient. Can we do that? And so that that's that's where Israel is. And we get to a point in their story a little bit further down where we're going to be today, where Israel gets 
scared. And that's the title of today's message, Getting Scared. We're, getting, we're continuing with our Getting There series. And look, we're almost there. Uh, we have one more message in this series after this one. Um, but here in Numbers, the people of Israel, they discover that they're right there. Right there by the land of Canaan. This is the land that God had promised to, to give them. That they were, they were going to inhabit it. That he was going to drive out all of their enemies. And they're right here on the cusp of it. God's promise is about to be delivered. It's on the horizon. All they have to do is go and get it. So what Moses does is he gathers all, all his spies. And he says, okay, I want you to go and check out this land. And he gives them, he gives them a checklist. He says, go Go see the land. Go look at the people. Um, uh, let, let me know if they're strong, if they're weak, if there's a lot of them, if there's few of them. How is the land? How is the soil? Is it rich? Is it poor? Are there trees? He even says, be of good courage and bring me back some, some fruit of the land. Kind of sounds like a Mexican, right? When they're going to Mexico. Hey, bring me back some tortillas. Bring me back some Mexican candy, right? So he sends out the spies to check out this condition. This is their land. They have to take it. They have to conquer it. They might even have to fight a little bit. So it's smart. It's a smart move for Moses to go and make sure that, that everything is in order to determine how they're going to make their way in. And we come to verse 26. If you're there, Numbers 13, 26. This is after 40 days of spying in this land. This is their report. And I want you to really focus on this message today because I believe it's for every single one of us. Amen. So I want you to focus on this word. Look at the report from the Israelite spies. They say, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. In other words, Moses, the land is outstanding. It's great. We should definitely go there. It's like paradise. But I think it's a little too dangerous. So I think we're going to have to wait a little bit. Because now seeing it, the land looks good. I mean, it's everything that God said it was going to be, but, but it's, it's a little dangerous. There's people there. It reminds me of, of Layla. Layla's been, she's, I don't know what's gotten into her lately, man. She, every time we take her to like McDonald's or Chick-fil-A, anywhere there's a play place, um, she, she, gets, she gets freaked out like on the way up to, the, to, the, to get to the slide. Uh, she, she gets up there and she just like start like, from what I see, it looks like a, like a, a little bit of a panic attack, a little bit of anxiety. She starts like sweating and she's like getting nervous. She doesn't want to move. She's, she's afraid that she's going to fall. And, and I mean, she, she's done it plenty of times before where she would get to the top. She's always kind of been fearless. You know, she was one year old and she was going up to the top and, and she would just slide down like sometimes head first. And, and, and I'm, and now I'm wondering like, what's, what's gotten into her? Why are you, why are you afraid? And I've, I've had like, there's been twice, two times, maybe three that I've literally had to go up there and climb this jungle gym, this almost 30 year old dude. The sign says you can't be any older than three. And I'm up there and I'm trying to get down Layla because she's, she's crying. And I try to reason with her at first. I'm like, baby, you've done this before. You can do it. Like, 
If you can't get down, I'm not going to bring you here again. And the thing is, she's so confident every time. Like, Daddy, I want to go into the play place. I'm like, Layla, last time you had this episode, I don't think that's a good, and I have to give her like a pep talk, right? Like, if you go up there, I'm not going in there to get you down. You can't be a little baby. That's how I talk to her. And, and she's like, I'm not going to cry. I, I've got this. Right? And she's so bold and she's so confident. But when she gets there, she freaks out. She can't finish the job of coming down the slide. And so sometimes I think when we're walking towards the top of our mountain, we're doing it with confidence. We're doing it with boldness. We're like, man, God has prepared me for this. He, is, he has set me apart for this moment. I know who I am. I know what I've got to do. But then we get closer to the edge and we're like, dang, I don't know about this. We start backing down. We get a little nervous. We start making the excuses. And, and we're like, oh, maybe it's now is not the time. It's going to happen, but now is not the time. And we start making a timeline, right? We're like, oh, maybe, maybe when I finish school. Maybe when I get that new job. Maybe when I get that training, right? Maybe when I get into the new house. And it's like God has called us to something. And he's bringing us to the edge. And we're like, oh, man, I'm, it's getting real now. And we get nervous. And we get scared and we miss our purpose. We miss our purpose. I want to, you know, I, I saw this quote that, that I think Karen shared uh, this week on, on Facebook. And I thought it was good. I wanted to share it. It, it says, people don't miss their purpose and bypass destiny because God decides to take it away. They miss their purpose because they fail to invest in their purpose. Did you get that? I don't need to read again, do I? All right, you got it. I'm going to read it again. People don't miss their purpose and bypass destiny because God decides to take it away. They miss their purpose because they fail to invest in their purpose. See, I, I don't know if we misunderstand the scriptures or something, man, but, but when God says he's going to give you something, that doesn't mean that he's going to serve it to you. He's not going to put it on your plate, right? God's not your butler. He's not your, he's not your mama. He's not your waiter. When he says that he's going to give you something, you have to do some work. You got to get up and, and grab it yourself. He's going to make a way for you to do it, but you've got to do it. If you don't grab it, it's, it's not on him. You've got to invest some time and energy into your purpose. God's not going to carry it for you. Jesus never told his disciples, hey, give me your cross and, and hop on my back, and I'm going, to, I'm going to carry you wherever you want to go. That's not what he said. That's, that's what kids do. You buy, you buy a child something with really no effort from, from anything that they've done. They, they don't deserve it most of the time. And you, you buy it for them, and, and they play with it for a little bit, and they're like, then they're done. They're here, here, Mom, here, Dad. Can you hold this? And while you're at it, can, can, you, can you carry me? That's, that's Layla. Jesus said, pick up your own cross, and if you want to get to your purpose, I can show you the way, but you're going to have to come up and follow me. I'm not going to carry you, man. You've got to walk. And so maybe this morning, church, maybe you've been waiting You've been just waiting for God to deliver a word to you that he said he was going to give to you, but God never sent it out for delivery. You got to get in your car. You got to wait in some traffic. You got to get to the store, wait in line, deal with people, deal with customer service, and then you have to get what God said he was going to give you. You have to get it yourself. It's yours, but you've got to come and take it. These spies are like, man, it's so awesome, Moses. 
Those, those trees were massive. The fruit, I mean, the Bible says that they were carrying fruit on, on a pole. Like two men had to walk with it because it was so massive. And, and, and Moses, this is paradise. I mean, it flows with milk and honey. It's, it's the greatest, man. God really came through, but we can't really have it right now because the mean people are there. Man, they sound like some millennials. I didn't want to say that, but I don't think we have any millennials here. See, I think that's why this, this series is, is so important because um, we're always thinking about being there. We're always thinking about being there. And we're dreaming of a life where, oh, I, if I didn't have to go to work at this job that I hate every day and, and I could just start, you know, my own thing and I could go to the places that I wanted to go to. I can start my own. I could do my own schedule. It's like we, we dream. We dream of being there, but we never think about getting there. We, th- we think about the destination, but never the journey. I do that every time I'm taking a wor- road trip, man. Every time I'm thinking, man, we can save money if we don't fly, if we just drive there. And then I'm driving. <laughs> yeah, you know how it is, bro. And then Melissa's fall, you know, she's asleep in, in the passenger seat. Layla's knocked out. I'm driving for 20 hours by myself, no help. And I'm like, man, never again. But every time I do it, like we're going to Colorado again this, this year, and I'm going to drive there. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but we dream about being there, but we hardly make the preparations to get there. And so many times, the only thing that's in our way, church, is, is, is fear. It's our own fear, right? If we just stepped out of the boat, we might actually, you know, get to where God is calling us to be. I love Peter because he was so fearless. When he saw Jesus on the water, he says, Jesus, is that you? If it's you, call me out. And Jesus says, come out. I'm always like tripped out by that story because like, what if it wasn't Jesus? Like, what if it really was a ghost? And he was like, okay, I'm Jesus. Come on out here. Right. Thankfully, it was Jesus. And, and, And Peter says, hey, Jesus, if it's you, call me out there. And Jesus says, come on. Come on, Peter. I bet you Peter wasn't expecting that. Like, really? Like, he knows he can't walk on water, but Jesus called him to him. And so he takes that step out of the boat, and then the rest of the disciples are probably like, dude, what are you doing? You can't walk on water. And Peter's like, I don't know what's going on, but, but he called me. So if he called me, I'm going to get there somehow. And most of us, man, we're, we're, we're so close to getting there. We're so close to getting to our destination. And, and even, even though God has called us to it, we just, we rather stay in the boat. Because it's safer. And that's where these spies are, man. They, they, they choose to stay in the boat because it's familiar there. It might, keep, you know, it might keep them from getting to their destination, but at least they'll be safe. And they won't have to do anything uncomfortable. But one man speaks up. And this is where, this is where it gets good. One man speaks up because he doesn't want to stay where they've been. He's tired of where they've been. They've been in the wilderness They've been on the journey. He's ready to get there. Have you ever been, just been ready to get there? Like, I'm so done with this road trip. I'm so done with these people on this road trip. I am ready to get there. Like, no, I don't want to stay at a hotel tonight. Get me there already, right? And so one man steps up. His name is Caleb. And it's right there in verse 30. It says, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. There's always that voice of encouragement, right? There's always that voice somewhere in your, in your head, even if it's in the background, 
where you're like, you think to yourself, okay, wait, hold on. Is it possible for me to do this? Could I really quit my job and pursue this? Could I, could I really speak to people about the, the go movement? That's where I am right now. And, and people actually respond and support to its needs. It's a moment where you're like, man, I'm going to just shut up every voice, every doubt, every fear, every excuse. And I'm going to ponder, what if it is possible? That's the voice you want to go with, church. That's the voice you want to go with. When, when doubt and fear is just, you know, it's clouding your judgment, but you have that small voice that says, what if? Go with that voice, man. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you should go and make poor decisions, right? Without thinking, without planning. But if you know that God is behind it, there should be no question. I, I know that God is behind this vision. I know that God is behind this word. I know that God is behind this purpose. So maybe it is possible in the midst of all these, all these, these, these people, these naysayers, these haters, these negative people who are saying that they're not good enough and they're too small and they're too weak and they're not going to make it, Caleb says, hey, hold on, man. Listen to what you're saying. Listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth and then remember the word that came out of our Heavenly Father's mouth. He said that he was going to give it to us. He said that we were going to conquer it. He said that he was going to drive out our enemies. Stop listening to what you're saying and listen to the word of the Lord, man. He says this land belongs to us. It's got our name on it. You need to find a Caleb in your life, man. You need to find a Caleb. Surround yourselves with Caleb's who are positive, who say, you know what? We can do this. Don't, don't chicken out. We're here. This is the, this is the point where God, it's, it, it's either we, 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 we go all in or we go home. It's possible because God made it possible. We're so close and we're going to back out now. Verse 31. I want to keep on going with the story here. This is their response. He says, then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land, though through which we had gone to spy it out, it is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are great of height. And there we saw the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. Man, what a disappointment, right? Don't surround yourself with those peoples, man. Get them out of your life. Find yourself some Caleb's, some Joshua's. I, I, I bet, I bet that, that Joshua and Caleb, man, they were, they were upset. Because they knew that with just a little bit of effort, with a little bit of a fight and faith in, in themselves and the God who called them to the promised land, they would get there. They knew it. But the rest of Israel got scared. And this is, this is something that, that I, uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago to the youth when they had their service. I, I preached to them and I told them that fear and excuses are the killer of God-given purpose. Fear and excuses are the killer of your calling. And see, you might be living, you might not, I'm sorry, you might not be living this morning in your purpose because of fear. Maybe it's laziness, that's a different message. But, but fear, fear of being judged, let's, let's just get real, man, let's just name them. We're, we're, we're fearful of what people think. We're fearful of messing up. 
We're fearful of, of failure, of humiliation, of not having enough. Fear really knows how to play some hardball, man. And we sing about it at church. Oh, we love those songs about the powerlessness of fear. Fear, bow. Jesus changes everything. And we, we say it with so much authority and so much conviction, and we're crying, and we're like, yes, fear, bow. And then the moment God brings us up to that mountain, to the edge of the mountain, we're like, whoa, 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 wait. Hold on, God. Man. I'm going to get real with you for a minute. I'm just going to talk about myself. Because uh, fear, is, fear is definitely in all of us. And it's definitely be, been in, in me for, for a long time. Um, and, you know, maybe many of you guys know that I've... Um, I hate to use this word to describe myself just because I don't feel like it's a word that you should use to describe yourself, but it's literally the word that I need to use. Um, but I, I've always kind of been a little bit of, a, of an entrepreneur. I've always, you know, I, I've, I've had some businesses. I've had a business that, you know, kept me really busy and it kept me okay for, for a while. And then recently I started kind of getting into some other types of, you know, more passive investments and in, in the Go Movement. Go Movement's not a for-profit business, but I just like the idea of, of creating things from the ground up. It's just what, something that I like to do. I, I, I like the idea of doing something meaningful and, and impactful. But when, whenever you're starting a business or an organization uh, or even a ministry, and anything new, I mean, a book club, whatever it is, you have to put yourself out there. You have to let the world know what you're doing. And that always terrified me because people... In this age, man, they don't, they don't want to see you successful. And I know that sounds kind of cynical, but that's just, that's just the truth. A lot of people, they just want you to fail. And so I always fear that if I put myself out there to, and failed, I'd be giving people the gratification of watching me fail. And I just didn't, I didn't like that. So it was something that I've always feared. And, and in the past, that's really gotten in the way of of where God has called me to be, I would have these big opportunities presented to me and I would just delay. I would, I would delay in submitting the application. I'd forget. I'd, you know, I'd make some type of excuse because I didn't want to be rejected. That, that's my biggest fear. It's failure, rejection. And for the past, I want to say, year and a half, I started to really work on this. And I started to pray every day, God, take away fear from my life. And I, I kind of started to, to adopt a, a new philosophy. And I struggle a little bit still with, with fear. Um, but anytime I get scared, I started telling myself or asking myself this question. If I let fear have its way, what would I potentially be losing? And I'm not telling you to adopt that philosophy, but it, it's worked for me. Because when I really sit down and I think about the answer to that question, it's never worth the fear. Losing what, what I could potentially gain is never worth it. And so I, I just imagine Caleb hearing all of these people give the report and saying, you know what, I don't think we're going to be able to do it. I, I imagine him getting to this moment and he asks this question, if we let fear have its way, what will the result be? We're not going to enter the promised land. And he says, that is unacceptable. That can't happen. So he speaks up. And he says, guys, we can do this. We can beat them. We don't have to be afraid. God made a way for us. We might appear to be smaller. We might appear to be weaker, but the God that is with us is greater than anyone. 
But fear has its way. The people of Israel say, we can't beat them. We're not stronger. We're not bigger. We can't do it. We're going to fail. And just like that, fear became the killer of their God-given purpose, of their God-given destiny. And I want to close with this last passage. I'm going to have Will come up. It's, it's the next chapter, Numbers 14, beginning with verse 22. This is God speaking of this generation that just backed away from their purpose. He says, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. They're not going to see it. And none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant, Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and all his descendants shall possess it. The Bible says in 2 Timothy that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love. And so I love how God says that Caleb has a different spirit. All of these other guys, they've got the spirit of fear. They've got that spirit of uh, timidness that that they can't cross over to that line because of, of, of the unknown. But Caleb, he's got something else in him. He's operating with some power. He's operating with a mentality that he knows I can do all things. But everyone else, the fear has become the killer of their God-given destiny. They waited 40 years to get into the land until that generation died out. What, What would we potentially be losing as a generation if we let fear get in the way? Of your, of your calling, of your destiny, of what God is, what God is trying to draw you into. And you're saying, no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think it's me. Maybe it's going to be my daughter. Maybe it's going to be my son. That's an excuse. Yeah, God, I know as parents we want the best for our children, but God, it, you are his child, and he also wants the best for you. And so, so many times we're like, oh, I don't think that's going to be me. I'm not, I'm not good at that. Maybe my son, maybe my daughter. We'd like to pass it out to the next generation, but God still has a purpose for you. Brother uh, Montiel preached this morning in our Spanish service. He's a, he's a, he's a, a pastor in Mexico. He comes and visits us, and, and we have a, kind of support him in his church. And he preached this morning, and he preached very similar to, to this message. And he told the people in the, in the Spanish service, and the people in the Spanish service, are, they're a little bit you know, older, the older generation. And he says, he says, I'm almost 70 years old, and I'm not too old for anything that God has for me still. Stop saying you're too old. Your, your time isn't done until God runs out the clock for you. Stop making excuses. Stop being afraid. God has a plan for you. And so I want to ask you this morning, church, is, is fear, that fear that you might have in your life, is it worth losing what God has called you to obtain? What, what will the result be if you let fear have its way? You, man, you have a promised land that God is trying to get you to. You have a promised land. You have your own Canaan. 
And he's calling you to trust in him. He's calling you to abide in him. He's calling you to obey him. It doesn't matter how high that mountain is, how, how deep the sea is. It doesn't matter how big the army is in front of you. God, cho- God told the prophet Jeremiah when he called him. Jeremiah was like, God, I'm too young. I can't go and speak to the nations. They're going to they're gonna reject me. They're going to hate me. This is a harsh word. I'm not the guy for the, for the job. And the last verse in Jeremiah chapter 1, it says, They will fight against you, but they will not prevail. That needs to be your mentality. Yes, they are going to fight against you. Yes, you are going to get some hate. Yes, you are going to get some naysayers. Yes, you are going to fall down every now and then. But you will fight, but you will prevail. They will battle against you. They will fight against you. They will hit you. They will throw rocks at you, but they were not going to be victorious. Because if God called you to a purpose, there is no wall thick enough. There is no mountain high enough. God has called you. Just get there, man. This message this morning, this message, I I just want fear to leave in your life. I want it to leave in my life because it's it's the killer of, of something great that God has called you to do, man. And we have a world out there that are taking risks and they're taking chances, and because in their mind, this this is it. I get one life. There's people that don't believe in God. And they're act, and, and they, they think, well, this is this is the only chance I get, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take my I'm gonna take my chances. But the people of God, we have God behind us, and we're like, we're too afraid to take chances. That's ridiculous. Fear has gotta go, man. And this is a message that I'm I'm so passionate about when it comes to young people, because I see young people these days just so scared, so timid all the time. They're like, don't talk to me, they're so emo. And I'm like, dude, what, what are you doing? Hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to pick up offering? Do you want to you sing? Uh, like, dude, come on. But if they grow up seeing the older generation afraid all the time, they're going to grow up afraid. And they're never going to get to the purpose that God has called them to, man. We cannot afford that church, man. God has called us to something mighty, something powerful. I don't know what your promised land is. I don't know where it is. But I know if, if it's God ordained, it's beautiful. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land that is prosperous. It is a land that produces amazing and delicious fruit, man. We cannot afford not to get there because of our fear. Fear has got to go. And I'm going to ask that you stand this morning with me. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.